Welcome to the GMC Podcast, the regular place where you can catch all the sermon series and highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. Thanks for listening. Psalm 2, verse 10. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Father God, thank you that we have this divine possibility of taking refuge in you. Father God, we praise you for you are mighty. Father God, we praise you for you are sovereign. And God, you are capable of all things. And you're capable of sending your son to die on the cross for for us, for his people. And God, over this Easter time, we thank you, not just at Easter time, but as we remember on this occasion, on this Easter occasion, what you've done, what you've sacrificed, the pain that you've gone through, and the glory that's gone before you, and so the glory that goes before us also. God, we thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, we thank you. Father God, would you lead us this morning? Lead our hearts, lead our minds, as we come back into church, as we progress at home with the services at home, online. God, lead our minds. God, speak to us. God, thank you that you care. God, thank you that you provide a way for us on the cross. You provide a way for us to come to you, to repent, to kneel before you. And God, I, I ask this morning, would you stir our hearts enough this morning to do that very thing, to kneel before the cross and realise what you've done, and realise what you've sacrificed. God, that is not anything that shouldn't be taken seriously. God, that we have a choice to make that this cross presents a choice. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. And I ask, would you continue to reveal yourself to us? God, encourage us. God, lead us. God, comfort us. Holy Spirit, would you come now into each and every home on this Easter day as we remember you 
as we remember you rising from the dead in power. God, would you come by your power into each of our homes as we sit right now and commune with us. Fill us with your spirit, God. Equip us and encourage us to live in the way of the Lord, to live by your book. And Father God, if any of us are struggling this Easter time in terms of our faith, God help our unbelief. Thank you that we can believe God, but in the areas where we struggle to believe, help our unbelief. Thank you, God, that you're an active God, that you don't sit away from us, far from us, but you're close. You're close by us, God, and you go with us, and we thank you for that. We praise you for that. So, Father God, as we go into our service, be with us. In Jesus' name, Amen. So the Easter reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, starting at verse 1, from the NIV Bible version. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Thanks be for the reading of God's holy word. To his name this Easter day be praise and glory. And now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. Easter Sunday is here. The long-awaited weekend of eggs and treats for many. Do you know, apparently sales of Easter eggs in the UK have climbed to £153 million. That's more than 50% increase over last year. Wow, that's some chocolate. I wonder, is it a reaction to this long lockdown? 
the desperate times we've been in, and now with lockdown starting to ease, perhaps more folk can gather in gardens. Will be barbecues be out in some parts of the country this year. Maybe, of course, grandparents might be able to see their grandchildren, maybe for the first time in some time. And maybe it's the grandparents who are buying those wee treats. Are they responsible for that huge rise in Easter egg sales? Maybe. But for many, maybe including you, this spring may feel like coming out of a deep and dark time. Of course, spring naturally is. When winter turns to spring and we see daffodils flowering, buds forming on trees, birdsong in the air as nests are built and mates are attracted, the clocks move forward last week, an hour, and we now have lighter evenings drawing out. Light, lighter evenings. Light is coming more into our daily life. The warmth of the sun is returning, and yes, Lockdowns appear to be easing in the four nations of the UK. But I wonder, just as we do feel light, lightness coming into our hearts maybe, maybe they're carrying other things. Things like loss, grief, maybe apprehension, or even fear of the future. Because let's face it, easing of restrictions may be happening but this pandemic hasn't gone away and the future still looks shaky so at easter can we find in the message of easter evidence of spring of light of new buds of growth and the coming of warmer days to ease our fears what i want to do this easter sunday is Take a bit of a reset. And by doing so, hopefully maybe ease some fears. The last couple of months, this church, I've led us through a sermon series on understanding Christianity, which Maggie wrapped up last week on Palm Sunday. If you've missed some of the series, or maybe you haven't uh, got a chance to see any of it, maybe this is your first time viewing us you can catch up all our previous uh, services on YouTube. If you just want to uh, find and listen to a sermon and a reading and a prayer, uh, those are put out as a podcast each Monday. But there is a message in understanding Christianity. If, you're, if you are one of those new people, and maybe you are new to church, you don't get church, or maybe even if you struggle with the idea of God completely and you've landed on this uh, service, don't worry. There's plenty who struggle, and we are glad to have you today journeying with us. If you've got questions about faith, the Bible, Jesus, this is the place for you to be. My goal as pastor of GMC is to create a church unchurched people will love to attend. Wasn't that always the plan of Jesus? So as I said, I want to consider today a time of reset. And it's because I want us as church, whether you are a long-time Christian, just new to the faith, or don't have any faith at all, but are just wondering, I want you to be able to take this Easter Sunday and consider your place in the world. 
Last week, Maggie spoke eloquently on Palm Sunday that it wasn't about triumphal entry, but really it was all about the revelation of the Lamb of God. The sacrificial lamb, Jesus, was revealing himself in that procession in to Jerusalem and through Holy Week as the one who would die for your sins, for my sins. And of course, between Palm Sunday and this week is what is called Holy Week. It's the journey from Bethany to the upper room to the Last Supper, on to Gethsemane, to betrayal and arrest. And then, before the Sanhedrin, the, the ruling council of the religious leaders, and accusation before Pilate and sentence. And then on to Golgotha, Calvary Hill and crucifixion. And finally, the removal of Jesus' body into a tomb, buried by Joseph of Arimathea. A busy week for Christians in our calendar. A busy week for Jesus until his death. And for his followers too. But what was their response after the Friday? After the man who they'd followed for years, for three years? A man who they had seen perform miracles, bring new understanding of the scriptures, challenge the position and dogma of the religious leaders and the Roman authorities. He'd brought a new level of love and compassion to the most dispossessed and despised in the land. This leader, Rabbi, was now gone. What was their response? Desolation? Disappointment? Fear? Perhaps that is how the two Marys and Salome felt. But they had concern. They had concern for the body of their leader, for Jesus. Newly laid out in a rock-cut tomb. It needed anointing with spices to keep the smell of decomposition down. Clearly, they were on a mission that Sunday morning. Not to find a resurrected Jesus, despite Jesus saying this would happen three days after his death. They, though, like all, thought it was over. In Jesus' death, the hopeful change that they wanted to see had failed. Their leader was dead. Their immediate concern was about shifting a heavy stone so they could get into the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with these spices. But it was already open. Great! Fantastic! No need to try and find someone to help them out to shift it. So all they had to do was go in and do what they'd come to do. But wait! There's a figure there. A young man in a white robe. Fear, concern, what is going on? Their expectations of how their morning was going to plan out are all out of kilter. A figure sitting in the tomb and an empty tomb at that with no body, that just doesn't stack up. And then those words. We so often hear in scripture when humans come into fearful contact with the divine. Don't be alarmed. Sometimes it's don't be afraid. A figure in white says, don't be alarmed, for the Lord is risen. He lives. 
Go and share this news with the disciples. Go on, go and say Jesus will go ahead into Galilee. Head there, go there and meet with him. And so these women do. Sure, they go with trembling and bewilderment. But let's face it, who wouldn't be a little bewildered, a bit trembly by such a sight? A recently crucified man, only buried on Friday, now risen on Sunday. Who wouldn't be a bit overawed by that experience? But the women do go. They share the story. Jesus is alive. It jumps up forward a bit. Mary Magdalene, it says, has seen him. And she tells. And those last words. But the people didn't believe. That first Easter day, we hear such important elements of our faith. It's the beginning of our Christian faith. And we see people's response to it. What do I mean by that? Well, first, the Christian faith really starts with the resurrection of Jesus. Sure, we hear the story of Jesus. We have the nativity. We have the Christmas story. The stories of Jesus' life, his ministry. And we can find great depth and learning from them. Of course we do. And we read the books of the Old Testament and gather huge wisdom from them too in understanding the long history between humanity and God. But to find the point at which the Christian faith kicks off, we need look no further than the resurrection. For without resurrection, there is no Christianity. And of course, without crucifixion, there can be no resurrection. Someone can't rise from the dead if they're still alive. So the Easter weekend is the central component of our faith. It answers the ongoing story of human failing. And let's face it, if we're honest with ourselves, we all have them. Even the most righteous, pious, law-abiding person has failings. Sin, if I can put it that way. And if you are someone who believes in God, then you know our sin is what causes distance between us and God. It's what separates us. Imagine it's like a marriage. If a spouse or poor partner does something wrong, it creates a tension, a separation between you. Not like burning the toast or dinner or something more trivial like that, though that might cause a little argument, maybe. But you know I mean real issues between partners, real sins. Something like cheating, sexual infidelity. Or maybe secretly running up debts, that's financial infidelity. Or whatever it may be. If we allow such things to occur in a marriage I believe they are because of our own selfishness. It's when our pride kicks in, it causes distance and separation between a couple in their relationship, in their marriage. It's just the same with God. Our sin, what we do, separates us from God. But Jesus, Jesus' death paid the price for our sin. 
and his resurrection restores us. Those who know the Lord Jesus, accept him as Saviour and Lord, are restored relationally with God. So Easter. Easter is the bedrock, the ground zero, if you like, of our faith. It's why humanity now finds itself in a new age, spiritually speaking. It's different than the one humanity had before Christ. And so the question to us today is what is our response? What are our response points? And by that I mean what are the points in the Christian story that can elicit a response and what are the choices? The choices is the easy one to deal with because there are only three. It's denial, fence-sitting or acceptance. That's it. When we talk about Jesus, you can deny him. Denial is flat-out acknowledgement of the presence of God in the world through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's the denial of the teachings and ministry of Jesus, his death, his resurrection. Essentially, it's atheism. Fence-sitting, that's agnosticism, I guess. Basically, it's scepticism and a bit of doubt thrown in. Some think of it as not really having a conviction either way, you know. It's a bit like placing an each-way bet. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe. I can't really be bothered. I once thought it was the lazy option. The lazy position, you know. Ah, there's something, but do you know what? Mm. Yeah. And I can perhaps see it's a position that is attractive to many. Coming down as an atheist is, is, is a decision. You, you believe what you believe and you believe there is nothing. That's good. But the agnostic? Mm, yeah, maybe. But maybe. It's not lazy. It's the position that I was kind of at, I guess, before I became a Christian. I kind of believed in God, but he wasn't relevant for me and so maybe that's a journey point you know you haven't quite come to accept Jesus as saviour and lord you've had some stumbling blocks put out in your way and so the question to us as Christians as church is this how can we remove those stumbling blocks for those who want to come to a decision on Jesus to a decision to respond in acceptance. Now, you would accept, ex, uh, expect me to say this because, of course, I'm a pastor, but I believe Jesus is truly revolutionary and life-changing. Accepting Jesus, his ministry, teaching death for your sin and resurrection to bring you into new life Accepting all that and the transformation it can genuinely bring to your life, then yes, when I wrap it up like that, of course you should accept. Because without acceptance, we're in the place that Maggie referred to last week in her sermon. I'm going to quote her. You never just hurt yourself when you give way to your sin. There are casualties in this war for your soul. So this is Maggie saying that 
that living that part life, not committed to Christ, there's going to be casualties. The thief is coming. She goes on to say, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. He comes to stop you entering into your God-given destiny and he will place any number of temptations and deceptions in your path and in your ear to draw you away from the truth that sets you free. Do you get that? Atheists kind of have their mind made up. Christians do too. But that middle ground... There's a battle for your soul, I guess. She goes on, you can have Jesus and all of this too. No, you can't. That's if you think you're going to take Jesus but still live the way you want because Jesus requires a commitment. It says you will only end up being nominal or liberal or using the name of Jesus on occasion, but when it comes to it, when we stand before the throne of grace for judgment, the Lord will say of us, I never knew you. We need to commit. We need to help people commit. I said at the beginning of this sermon that I wanted you to consider your place in the world. So which is your response to Jesus? Because I believe that it's the most fundamental question we can ask in our world today. So is it a no? Is it? I'm not sure. Or perhaps you're ready or already have given a full-blown yes to Jesus. But actually this morning, there's a question to the church. How the church responds. Because how we respond to our call by saying yes and how we then live our lives matters. Because as Christians, as church, we need to be relational. Because the move from no to maybe to yes is an individual journey where people respond in different ways. I'm going to talk about belief and belonging and behaving. There are three things we think about in church sometimes. And belief, belonging, behaving come in light of relationship in, within the church when folk encounter the risen Christ. And they encounter Christ in the people of Jesus. And I think for too long the church has failed in what it expects of new people coming to faith. I strongly believe the church has moved towards society, accepting many of the ways of society and mirroring them Mirroring the ways of society are harmful. They're harmful to the church and to our relationship with God. Because we are instead called to remain in the truth of the gospel. The problem though is we have expected unchurched people to respond to our truth often without extending the hand of grace. It's this thing. We, if we swing towards liberalism, we just become like society. If we remain the opposite, pious and inward-looking and judgmental, we do not extend grace. So we have to expect a certain level of change behaviour before someone can belong and believing what we believe before they can belong. Is that what we want to do? 
No. But let's be honest, I'm under no illusion that the folk in our church either behave fully as God would expect or believe exactly as I do. We are not a church of the perfect, but rather a church of the imperfect in so many ways. But it doesn't stop us loving one another, serving one another, supporting one another as we grow in faith, in believing and behaving. So why should it exclude others from coming to find out about Jesus? For too long the church has served the church. It must stop. Our call is to go and make disciples. We don't do that by shouting from our hello churches, pious and righteous, but by going and sharing in people's pain, sitting alongside people's brokenness because we are broken too. The sharing of the love of Jesus and the message that he died and rose for all who would come to him is the message we are to proclaim. As we return to physically gathered worship at GMC, we are not coming back to life as it was. Things are different because they have to be different to keep people safe in the pandemic. But we also do not return to church to do the same old things in the same old way. God is calling upon us for a spiritual awakening. He is saying, I have risen, my church arise I'm calling you to be a church to share the truth of the gospel, but at the same to be a grace-filled church. So I ask, I ask of all of you who are members at GMC, who've come to know us through YouTube, through Facebook, through our website, through the podcast, are we going to unashamedly be a church that serves the unchurched? Serve those who don't know Jesus. Those who perhaps find Christians a bit weird, a bit off-putting. Because all those people should find a home at GMC. A place where they can come in their doubts and be welcome. A place where they can hum and hear the truth of Jesus Christ. As we welcome them in warmth and friendship and fellowship. If Easter means anything, it means that Jesus died for all, the lonely, the lost, the marginalised, the widow, the poor, the orphan and the sinner. And that last category, the sinner, that includes everyone. The churched, the unchurched, you and me. Jesus died for everyone and rose for those who would know him. Let's get out, share that good news without judgment or complaint and make the Lord's Church a place where all are welcome at his table. Amen. Thanks for listening to the GMC podcast from Gillespie Memorial Church in Scotland. For more details about us, visit our website gillespiechurch.org and search for us also on YouTube and Facebook. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page on our website or through the church office. This has been a production of the GMC team and copyright remains with the producers of this podcast. Thanks for listening and God bless.